Okay, so today we're going to talk about no greater joy. No greater joy. Praise God. So we're going to go to first, I mean, third John chapter one. Verse two uh, said, this is the apostle John. He said, uh, he said, beloved, in regard to all things, I pray that you prosper and you be in health, just like your soul prospers. And I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified of the truth that was in you, even as you walk in the truth. For I have no greater joy than these things, to hear that my children are walking in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you work for the brothers and for strangers. Let's see, I think that's far as we're going to go right there. So, the greatest joy, John said, was when we as a church are walking in truth. Walking in truth. Those of you that have children, you know, there is no greater joy than when your children are walking in truth. There's no greater sadness when your children are walking in sin. Because you know they're going to reap the results of their sin. But there is no greater joy than to know when our children are walking in truth. And God's heart is the same way. When we're all walking in truth, there is no greater joy. John twenty twenty one said, And Jesus said unto them, Peace to you. As my Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So this is what Jesus has done when he came into our heart and he saved us. He has sent us out to do the very same things that he did. The exact same things that he did. Matthew 5 says, Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So that's what our job is to do. Jesus has sent us all out. If you're saved, you've been commissioned to go out and to do what Jesus has called you to do. And we all have a gifting and we all have a calling. And the thing that he's gifted us and called us to do is how we shine in this world. It's how our light shines. And when we shine, it's not to bring glory to us. It's to bring glory to our Father. In fact, I heard a a pastor say this. We were at a a leadership conference at uh, Bill Johnson's church in California. And he said... He said, if you take any of the glory for what God is doing, he won't be involved in it. Because he didn't send us, he didn't commission us and send us out to glorify ourselves. He has sent us out to glorify our Father. Which is, I've got to find out why this keeps going off. I thought I'd said it. <laughs> See why it's goofing up. All right, there's the problem. I don't use a computer anymore. I don't ever print anything. I do all my praying and studying and preaching on my phone. (laughs) Sure does simplify my life. (laughs) I have every one of the uh, study Bibles, Greek, Hebrew, Day, Strong's, all of them in my phone, where I used to have to tote a bag of books around with me all the time. All that tells my phone now. Um, so let's talk about the works that Jesus was talking about. You know, people get real confused about works. In, ca- in case you're wondering why I have all these band-aids on me, I, I got dog bit last week. 
twice. <laughs> I have this little pack of weenie dogs. Some of you know I have little weenie dogs, and they don't let anything in my backyard. They don't. They don't let a frog. They don't let a snake. They killed two huge uh, copperheads last week. Or at the beginning of summer, they killed about four water moccasins. We live in the woods in, by a creek, and we have an abundance of snakes. That's why I have weenie dogs. But anyway, uh, my granddaughter is staying with me, and she has got this new puppy. And so my backyard is divided into two yards. And so when she put her puppy out under the carport to go to work, she didn't realize the gate wasn't shut. And my little weenie dolls got in that yard, and I heard this horrible barking and carrying on, and I thought they found a snake, because that's what they do when they find a snake. And so I go out there, and they had this little puppy cornered under a porch that goes upstairs. And uh, uh, a dog came running out there, and he got a crowbar and took up the boards, and they had that little dog just in a corner, little puppy. So I reached in there to get the little puppy. Well, that little puppy just showered down on my hand. And so when he finally let up, I grabbed his mouth. And so then I go to get my dog, and he showered down on my hand. So when he lets up, I grabbed his mouth, and I held both of them's mouths until Jerry grabbed them all by the hind legs and pulled them up out of that porch and put them back in the other yard. But, man, I have been, my hands were so swollen and bleeding, and my daughter came over to get the puppy, and he was covered in blood. And I said, it's not his blood. Don't worry. <laughs> so that's the reason I look like I've been in a dog fight, because I actually have. <laughs> um so people get confused on what works are. So what, that's what we want to do is look at what are the works that we do? What are works? Uh, you know, when we come to Jesus and we accept Jesus, we accept everything that he did. He completed the work of salvation. He defeated Satan. He made a show of him openly, put his foot on his neck, did all of that. So what are we supposed to do? What's our job? If, if works don't have anything to do with it, you know, you can't buy your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't pray your way into heaven. You can't do anything to get to heaven except believe in the blood of Jesus and ask him to come into your heart. So what are the purpose of works? I had a lady come up and ask me one time. She said, well, if works don't matter, then why do we pray? And why do we read our Bible? And why do we pay our tithes? And why do we work toward getting the sin out of our life? And I said, because Jesus told us to. No other reason we do anything except Jesus told us to. That's not what buys our way into heaven. That's what makes us love Jesus. He said, if you love me, you obey me. And our level of obedience is our level of power that we walk in. And our level of anointing that we walk in. You ever heard anybody get in the pulpit and preach and it just bored your socks off? You knew they weren't walking in obedience. God doesn't anoint people that are walking in rebellion. And so obeying Jesus proves how much we love him. And it causes us to have authority over the devil. And that's what we got to have, is authority over the enemy. Jesus has already defeated him, but the devil, when we cast out a devil, he'll just laugh in our face if we're walking in rebellion to Jesus. We, our level of authority is directly equal to our level of obedience. 
exactly equal. Our level of faith is directly equal to our level of obedience. Everything, every powerful spiritual thing God has promised us and given us is directly dependent upon our level of obedience to what Jesus said. So we're going to look at some scriptures. See, if Jesus has already completely finished the work, and he does it through us. We can't raise the dead. We can't heal the sick. We can't do miracles. But Jesus in us can do all of those things. And so if we can walk into a place that he can flow through us, then we can do the works that Jesus did. And he said, you can even do more. Because I was only, he only worked, he only ministered for three and a half years. We've been pastoring 50 years. So that's why we do more. It's not better or bigger or greater. It's more in number because we're here more years than he was here. Okay, John 15 says, abide in me and I will abide in you. The word abide means stay put. Stay put. You stay put in me and I will stay in you. For the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. And neither can you unless you stay in me. Now, I'm substituting the word stay for the word abide so that you just say abide is not a word we use today. Stay is the word we use. Uh, <clears throat> I am the vine and you are the branches. And he who stays in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. Fruit is just another word for uh, miracles. Living the life of allowing Jesus to do his works through us. If anyone does not stay in me. Oh, wait, let me ask you He who stays in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not stay in me, he's cast out like a branch and he is withered. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. But if you stay in me, and my words stay in you, you can ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. Is that not a powerful promise? He will heal you when you need healed. He will save our children when they need saved. He will give us a good job when we need a good job. He will, whatever we ask, if his word is living in us, he will do it. And it shall be done to you. And in this, my Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit, and you will be my disciples. For just like the Father loved me, I have loved you. And if you continue in my love, and if you keep my commandments, you will stay in my love. Even as I kept my Father's commandments, and I stay in his love. And I have spoken these things to you, so that my joy will stay in you, and that your joy will be full. So that's pretty simple, isn't it? If we just stay in the Word of God, and that Word of God stays in us, then Jesus is in us, and we will be able to bear good fruit, just like Jesus was good fruit. And if we ever think that we're doing it on our own, or that we're doing it by ourselves, then we're deceived. And we won't be bearing good fruit anymore. we got to always know it's Jesus that's doing this. 
It's Jesus that's doing this. And when you come up against something really hard, you know, we, we go through hard things in life. And then all you got to do is say, Jesus, I'm not the one that's going to do this. You're going to do it. All I've got to do is live in your word. You know, have you ever seen people that go down to the church and shake the preacher's hand and get baptized when they're 10 years old and all the rest of their life they think they're saved and live like a devil? That's, that's who I was. And that's not abiding in Jesus and him abiding in you at all. Uh, so w- until I got saved, I didn't get saved until after I got married because I thought all the time before. I was just believing what my church was telling me that I was saved. Commit never sin in the book, but it doesn't matter because grace covers everything. You know? Oh, there's going to be so many shocked people when they think they're going to get in heaven. And, 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 and you know, the, the biggest lie in that whole denomination is, I've heard them say, it, they'll pull out this long file cabinet drawer and they'll say, all of my sins, past, present, and future were forgiven when I got saved. Well, that's not true. Your past sins were forgiven. But your sins you're committing now and the sins you're going to commit in the future have to be repented of. And that's how they stay in that deception. See? Because their preachers are preaching lies to them. If we are faithful to confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us. Sin has to be confessed. Sin has to be confessed and forgiven. And not just one time. The, the prayer I pray more than any other prayer every day is, Lord, forgive me. Every time I have a wrong thought. Every time I have a bad attitude. Every time I'm lazy and don't do what I need to do, that has to be forgiven. So, <clears throat> us abiding in the Word and the Word abiding in us proves that we love Jesus and us obeying that Word. And then Jesus and the Father come, and we'll read that in a minute, manifest themselves to us. It fills us with joy. And when we hit these problems all day, every day that we can't solve, He does it for us. He does it for us. It's Jesus that does the work. John 5 says, Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I work. Then because of this, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making him equal with God. Then Jesus said unto them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees his father do. For what things he does, these also the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. So that's exactly how we live our life. We get up every day and we sit in the presence of God. And we get into his words. And he shows us how to live. Shows us how to treat our enemies. Shows us how to treat our friends. Shows us how to walk on the devil. Shows us how to not be afraid of things that people say to us. Shows us how not to be rejected when the devil sends people after us to reject us. Shows us how to always walk in love. How to make wise decisions. All the answers to all those things are in the Word. Who is Jesus, the living Word of God. And so as we abide in Him every day, then He shows us what to do. And when we walk out our front door... And we do what the Word says do, then all day long, Jesus is doing the work. He's doing the work through us. 
He's doing, uh, when we come up against somebody that's sick, we just lay hands on them and pray and believe God's going to heal them. Because he said he would, you know. Unless that person's got sin in his life and refuses to confess that sin, then Jesus can't work for him. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you, and sometimes he won't. When Jared and I go in the hospitals to pray for people, sometimes the Holy Spirit tells us if they're going to live, and sometimes he doesn't tell us if they're going to live. But see, that's the way it works all day long. All day long. If we abide in the Word, and the Word is abiding in us, the Word does the work. Amen? It's not up to us. John 5, uh, 30 says, Jesus said, I can do nothing of my own self. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous. Because I am not seeking my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So see, when we get up in the morning, and we're spending our time with God, and we're listening, then the Lord's telling us, we don't make our own judgments. We speak what Jesus said. See, the Holy Spirit, I love the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, He will hear, He will take my words, He will hear what I say, and He'll bring them to you. So the Holy Spirit's like a God ear. (laughs) He listens. We need to be God ears. We need to get up in the morning and sit in the presence of God and listen for God to speak to us. And then we carry out His judgments. They're not our judgments. And they're not what we want. We just go out and we say what the Holy Spirit says, which is what Jesus said. And if if you have a problem hearing, then just read the New Testament. Read the words of Jesus over and over and over and over. That baby does not bother me at all. I had six. I can I can put babies in a whole other category in my brain because I've done it all my life. <laughs> um, okay, so and then in John six, so Jesus answered them. These are the people that came to him that he had just fed them, and they were following him around because they wanted more food. And Jesus said, "Truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw miracles, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor, work." For the food that perishes, but for the food which will last to eternal, everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. For the God the Father has sealed him. And they said, and talking about being sealed by the Father, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're sealed by the Father. Which means he's put his stamp of approval on you. And they said unto him, then what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto him, this is probably the most important scripture in the New Testament. This is the work of God that you believe on him who he sent. Everything that we believe that Jesus said and we act on it is going to bring a miracle. Every scripture we believe and we act on that scripture, it will bring a miracle. If you're quoting scriptures... But you're not getting miracles. You know what that's telling you? You don't really believe. That you're hoping that just saying it over and over and saying it because you heard somebody else saying it will make it work. But it won't. It won't. You've got to be believing it and you've got to be obeying it. You know, the Bible says the demons believe in God and tremble. So why aren't they going to heaven? Because they don't obey. Believing is more than just knowing it's true. It's obeying. They're one and the same. 
And so you might believe God's going to bless you financially, but if you're tithing, he's not. You might believe that God's going to heal your body, but if you're committing sin in your body, he's not. You might believe that God's going to save your children. But if you are sinning in front of those children and teaching those children to sin, he can't. They're going to be just like you. It don't matter what we tell our children, they're going to be just like us. So the only way we know we can keep our children saved is we've got to be saved. We have to apologize to them when we do them wrong. We have to be humble. And we've got to not act like we know. And I'm talking about our grown married children too. That we can't act like we're better than they are and we know that more than they are and we're right because just because we're older than them. That's hypocrisy. We have to live a holy life in front of them if we want them to live a holy life. And we have to apologize to them when we do not. Uh, John 8. And Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am Him. And I will do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I will speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. And the Father has not left me alone, because I do always the things that please him. That's so powerful. That when we go out to do our day every day, if we've been listening to Jesus, and doing his words, and doing what he tells us to do, then he will be with us. And if we sin and we mess up, quickly repent. And when we repent, as far as God's concerned, it never happened. When he forgives, he completely forgets. And we've got to learn to forgive that same way. When somebody does us wrong and we forgive them, we've got to ask God right then to help us forget it. If not, we'll just carry that sin around the rest of our life, holding grudges and being nothing like Jesus and wondering why we don't have any power and no anointing. See? We have to forgive and we have to forget like Jesus. And so, and then when we do the things that please Him, that don't mean we do everything right. That means that we always ask forgiveness when we don't do everything right. We quickly get forgiveness. And then we don't whine around about it all day and feel sorry for ourselves. We immediately receive the joy of our salvation. We know He forgave us, we know He forgot it, and we receive the joy of our salvation. I love that scripture in Nehemiah when they came back to build the walls after they'd been in captivity all those years. And so Nehemiah got Ezra to get up and read the word to them. And they never heard the word read to them because they'd been in captivity in battling for 70 years. And they were not allowed to carry the word with them. So the only word they had was what they remembered. And so when Ezra got up and read the word, to them the very first time, they wept. And so Ezra said, stop crying. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He said, rejoice. Go out and eat the fat and drink the sweet and give portions to the poor that don't have. Rejoice, said the word of God. Now, we need to weep until we get forgiveness. But that can be instant and then we don't just keep on whining and feeling sorry for ourselves and talking bad about ourselves to ourselves. We receive that forgiveness, that blood, that, and we believe that Jesus forgave it, forgot it, and then we enter back into the joy of our salvation, which is our strength. 
People who feel sorry for themselves all the time are really weak people. I can't stand that spirit. I hate that spirit of self-pity. Feeling sorry. And when somebody walks up to me that has that spirit, I feel it instantly. Under my breath, I start casting that spirit out. And if a person won't get free from that spirit, they are miserable to be around. They just want to complain about everything and how bad everybody treats them. And then they want to get mad at you because you don't want to hang out with them when they're so miserable to be around. And it's always somebody else's fault. It's never their fault. You've got, we've got to get free from that spirit. It's a nasty, ugly demon. And it robs the joy of our salvation, which means we're always a weak little whiny baby. A little crybaby is what we are. If we don't get free from that spirit of self-pity. Own up to what we've done as forgiveness and get the joy of our salvation, which is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You will never be a strong Christian if you feel sorry for yourself all the time. You will never be a strong Christian if you whine about things. You will never be a strong Christian if you blame everybody else for everything in your life. <laughs> we got to grow up. Amen? Amen? You don't want me to get off on that one. That's my soapbox. <laughs> uh, I told all my kids growing up, you stop that crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Any of your mamas ever tell you that? You spank them and they want to whine around about it all day. Uh uh-uh, uh, not in my house. I cannot stand whiny people. I can't stand to be around whiny people. I want to slap them. I want to slap that whine right out of them. You know? But I can't do that because Jesus didn't do it. Jesus defeated that whiny spirit on the cross. And we got to receive deliverance. Amen? Okay. Uh, I bet y'all wouldn't have liked me at all when I wasn't saved. <laughs> I was mean as a junkyard dog. <laughs> All right, John 14, Jesus said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of myself, but the Father who lives in me, he does the works. The Jesus who lives in us does the works. He defeats the devil for us. He does it for us. It's not up to us. It's not up to our power. It's not up to our strength. Isn't that liberating? Isn't that the most liberating truth? That it's not up to us to get ourselves free. It's not up to us to defeat the devil. The Jesus who lives in us. See, Jesus has already defeated the devil. And when we sin and mess up, he don't punish us. He took our punishment on the cross. He corrects us and teaches us how not to make that mistake again. Fools hate to be corrected. Wise children love correction. So when we mess up and we say, Jesus, help me not to do that again. Give me the strength and the wisdom and the power to not be that stupid again. And he'll answer our prayers. See? Because he don't want us to mess up again. He don't punish us. He don't take a baseball bat and whack us across the head every time we mess up. How many of you grew up with that theology? That every time you messed up, God was going to stomp you. I grew up with that theology. 
The preachers in our church would say, uh, if you sin and mess up, God will take the dearest thing to you away from you. You know? You, you can pray. They'd say, pray for people. If they don't get saved, God will kill them. They'll go to hell. No wonder I wasn't saved when I was in that church. They preached this mean God. You know? And none of it wasn't true. When we mess up and we ask Him to forgive us, He will instantly forgive us. And He does not punish us. He teaches us how to not keep making that mistake again. A lot of our mistakes are just caused by the people we run around with. You want to quit cussing? You quit running around people that cuss. You want to quit watching bad stuff on TV? You quit running around people that watch bad stuff on the movies and internet and TV. If you want to quit telling dirty jokes, you quit running around with people who tell dirty jokes. You know? A lot of the way he teaches us to live a holy life is get rid of the friends you've got and get friends who live a holy life. Because they will help you. Okay. Okay, Jesus said, uh, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you... Oh, thank you. The words that I speak to you are not of myself, but it's the Father who dwells in you. See, the Father is the lawgiver. He gave the word to Jesus. Jesus became the living word. He never spoke one word of his own. He only spoke the words from the Father. Then he sent the, and he came down here on earth and gave us all the Father's words. Then when he went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit who constantly reminds us what Jesus said and gives us our word every day. So it all comes from the Father, see, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, to us, and then we go out and preach it in the world. So it's never our own word. Uh, but it's the word of the Father who dwells in me. He does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe me for the very works sakes. So here's my question. If we're not doing any works, why should anybody believe us? If we cannot get the strength and the power to overcome anger, why should anybody believe that Jesus is in us? If we can't stop our mouths from talking dirty... Why should anybody believe Jesus is in us? If we can't love people who hate us, why should anybody believe that Jesus is in us? He said, believe me, Jesus did, by the words. Jesus said, you believe that the Father sent me by what I do. And that's how this world believes, that Jesus is in us, by what we do and by what comes out of our mouth. And let me just say right here, i got to throw this in. Please. Do not get involved in politics if you're a Christian. We don't live in this kingdom. We are aliens and we live in the kingdom of God. And the law of our kingdom is love. And I don't care what the Republicans and the Democrats are saying about each other and doing about each other. Stay out of that mess. Be a Christian and just love everybody. Don't get caught. I've seen Christians that I thought were strong Christians get involved in that mess and it would completely destroy their testimony. Completely destroy them. All these prophets that got up and prophesied that Donald Trump was going to win the election. Does anybody believe now that they hear God? Stay out of it. Stay out of politics. 
The Bible says God puts an authority who he wants an authority. Either to bless a nation or judge a nation. Our job is to vote for the best Christian. Our job is not to choose a party, to criticize what everybody says. Our job is to vote for the best Christian and to keep our mouth shut. Praise God. All right, I'm going to get off that soapbox. Okay, it is the Father who does the works in me. Or else believe me for the very works. For truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes on me, the works that I do, these will he do. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that the Father will be glorified in the Son. And then we will glorify Jesus. Now look at your life. What kind of works are you doing? Are you, do you pray? Do you read your Bible? Do you get up in the morning and sit in the presence of God and not leave your house until God speaks to you? That's, so, that's where it starts. That's where doing the works of Jesus starts. Is you getting up in the morning. I remember when we were on our sabbatical, the Lord gave me this dream. And in this dream, uh, and it's just changed my life every day since. I had gone into this place like a college, and they were teaching this really hard subject. And first of all, I couldn't figure out why they invited me, because I'm not an educated person at all. And uh, so I couldn't figure out why they had invited me, because this school was for really smart people. And uh, then secondly, when I went to sit down at a desk, nobody wanted me there. Everybody would pull that chair back, and nobody let me sit there. So number one, I knew I wasn't smart enough for this class. And number two, nobody wanted me there. And so I started trying to figure, work this problem. And, and it was extremely difficult. There was no way I would have been able to work it. I couldn't even do high school algebra. <laughs> so in the dream, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke a word to me. And when I applied that scripture to that problem, it solved it instantly. And from that point on, that entire day became supernatural. Everywhere I went, doors just opened. Everything I did, it just prospered. It was almost like I was just flying through life. And so when I woke up, the Lord said, if you get up every morning and you get your key word for that day, your life will become supernatural. And so every day since I've had that dream, I have done that. Except one or two when I had to be somewhere real early. And, and both those days were disasters. But every day I get up and I wait in the presence of the Lord. And if I have to go somewhere early now, I have to get up really, really early, which is extremely painful for me. I'm not a morning person. But if I don't get up early and don't get that word from the Holy Spirit, that key to unlock that day is one day at a time, then my whole day goes south from there. And so... It has been such a supernatural step for my life. The Lord has been showing me things in the Word that I did not even know were in there. And I've read that Bible through I don't know how many times. Things I'd never seen before because the Holy Spirit had not opened my eyes to them. And so when we get up in the morning and we sit in the presence of God until we hear the Holy Ghost tell us, What Jesus told the Holy Ghost. What the Father told Jesus. And then we go out and we walk in that word. Our life becomes supernatural. 
absolutely supernatural. And I don't have time to tell you all the awesome things that God is doing, the miracles that he's doing, the great things that he is doing. I I wish I had time. I just don't have time. But I do know that it works. You try it. You go home and start in the morning. Set your clock an hour earlier than what you normally get up. And you just sit in the presence of God. And you say, God, I'm not going to leave here until I hear the Holy Spirit speak a scripture to me. Speak a scripture. What he usually does to me is give me the scripture. And I'll go look up the scripture. And I'll think, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was in the Bible. (laughs) It's been such a journey. Uh, Okay. So in Hebrews 4. uh, Let me see what time it is. Okay. We're on good time. Uh, therefore, a promise is left to us to enter into the rest of God. So let us fear, at least any of us should come short of that rest. For when we had heard the gospel preached as well as them, but the word did not profit them. Why? It was not mixed with faith. You ever heard people just spouting word out of their mouth and it wasn't profiting them at all? Because it was just scriptures that they learned. There was no faith. Because remember, faith is obedience. Faith is obedience. See, that's why the Bible says that you can't look up to God and worship Him one minute, turn around and cut somebody else the next minute. Salt and fresh water can't come out of the same fountain. So that your worship to God, He didn't even hear it. Because you're corrupted. See, you got to first get that sin out. The way you talk and treat the people. Then when you offer your worship to God, it goes up like a sweet-smelling savor. And he said, uh, For that we who believe do enter into the rest. For he said, I have sworn in my wrath that they will not enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place on the Sabbath day, saying this, God rested from his work. And in this place again, he said, they shall not enter into my rest. Since then it remains that some must enter in. And since they to whom it was first preached did not enter because of unbelief. He's talking about the Jewish people. God promised them a rest. And they didn't believe in Jesus so they couldn't enter into the rest. So again, he marks out a certain day saying, In David, today, after such a long time, even as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. When you hear his voice, don't walk in disbelief, anger, which is what a hard heart is. For if Joshua had given the people of God a rest, then he would not have afterwards said on another day, There still remains a rest to the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest has ceased from his own works. That's the key. We quit trying to do it ourselves. And we enter into the believing that Jesus has already done it for us. And when we obey Jesus, we just enter into the supernatural rest. So there remains a rest to the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest has ceased from his own works, just like God ceased from his. Therefore, let us labor to enter into that rest. How do we labor to enter into the rest? We labor to believe the word of God. We fight the good fight of faith. 
You keep quoting that scripture until you believe it. You keep crying out to God, help me believe this scripture. Help me obey this scripture until you believe it and obey it. And then you've entered into the rest. Uh, therefore, let us labor to enter into that rest. Lest anyone fall after the same example of unbelief. See, we don't make up our mind we're going to not believe. We just don't believe. See, we're born and raised to not believe with our, with our human spirit. It takes moving over into a supernatural place with God to read what Jesus said and believe it and obey it. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing the soul and the spirit. What's so important about dividing the soul and the spirit? The spirit's where God lives in us. That's how God makes communicate with us, communication with us. The soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, everything that fights us from doing the will of God. But the word of God can pierce right through, cutting off our soul thoughts and going into our spirit thoughts. And the joints and the marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God discerns what we're thinking and what we're planning. And he te- and the word of God tells us when we're wrong. And the word of God tells us when we're right. So we are only like Jesus to the degree that his word is dwelling in us. The amount of word that we believe and that we're obeying, that's the degree of Jesus that operates in us. And that's the degree of rest. You know, Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are labor and heavy laden. Have you ever been so tired and so wore out and you couldn't see any way out? He's, you're, he's talking to you. Come unto me. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to fix your problems. Stop trying to figure out what's wrong with other people and fix them. Stop all that mess. Stop all that labor. Get up in the morning and sit in my presence. And just do what I tell you to do. That's all it takes. Get up in the morning and sit in his presence. Until he tells us what to do. And we just go out and do it. And he does the works. He does what? Do you get so tired of trying to make everything work in your life? Trying to make your husband, your wife do right? Just stop it. Trying to make your kids do right? Just stop it. Trying to make people on your job like you? Stop it. Come unto me, all you that are labor. If you're trying to get pregnant, I know most of us, that's a dirty word. <laughs> that's, that's older women's worst nightmare. <laughs> Quit trying to do it yourself and ask the Lord to do it. If you're trying to get a better job, quit trying to find it yourself and ask Jesus to do it. If you're trying to get some Stinking, nasty, filthy sin out of your life. Ask Jesus to give you the steps to do it. Let Him do the work. And, and when you commit that sin, immediately ask forgiveness. 
See, the quicker you ask forgiveness and the more you really mean it proves whether you're ever going to be able to get rid of that sin. People who don't care about sin don't get rid of sin. I had a person tell me one time they was trying to quit smoking, or they knew they needed to quit smoking, and they said, well, I should quit smoking, but I just don't want to. I love smoking. I said, well, you can forget it then. You're never going to quit. Unless you hate it, you're not going to quit. See, unless we hate sin, we're never going to get rid of sin. You got a smart aleck mouth? As long as you like that smart aleck mouth, you're not going to get rid of it. Talking to women mostly. <laughs> uh, bullies. We talk to the men now. If you're a bully and you run over people like a steamroller, you're not going to get rid of that sin unless you hate it. If I ask the women how many of their husbands are bullies, they'd always If I ask the men how many of their women have got a big, fat, smart mouth, they'd always say, <laughs> Human nature. <laughs> but we're not going to hate the, we're not going to get rid of those sins if we don't hate them. We got to hate that sin. Hate that sin. And you know what your biggest sin is? Laying in the bed in the morning instead of getting up. And sitting in the presence of God. That is your biggest sin. My biggest sin. Because only through getting up in the morning. And sitting in the presence of God. And waiting for God to speak to. Are we going to be able to get rid of any other sin in our life? So our biggest sin is laziness. Letting our flesh rule us. Doing what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. Now, if there was any way that I could sprinkle some magic pixie dust on you and make you wake up in the mer- early in the morning and want to get up and sit in the presence of God, I would do it. But guess what? You're going to do what you want to do. Every human being does what they want to do. Some of the time we women have to do what our husbands want. Sometimes men have to do what their women want. But we have times all day long we're going to do what we want to do. And nobody's going to get in that way of me time. When I do what I want to do. You know? And so if we really want to get up early in the morning and sit in the presence of God and seek God, we'll do it. If we don't, we won't. And we'll never do the works of Jesus. Never. Unless we hear Him speaking to us. Saying, this is what you do. So let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for these people that have such a heart for you, Lord. Such a good spirit in this place. Lord, these are your children and they love you. And so, Lord, we all want to move closer to you. We all want to do the works of Jesus. Well, Lord, we desperately need the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything without you. We can't say anything of God without you telling us what to say. Do anything without you telling us. We can do lots of things in our flesh, but flesh always brings death. Spirit always brings life. So, Lord, we all ask you, as one whole group, help us. Help us. Help us get up in the morning and listen for that voice of life. The voice of the Spirit who tells us what Jesus is saying. Who tells us what the Father is saying. Because we can't do the works of God. You can only do them through us. Help us, Lord. That's our cry today. Help us. Help us.
please help us. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to walk in your word, abide in you, stay in you. Give us a strong desire. Strong desire to hear you speak to us more than anything else in our life. And then give us the strength to walk in that word. Lord, when we do this, it will bust this city wide open. Just like you busted the world wide open when you came on the scene, Jesus. Because it's still you doing the work. You're just doing it through a lot of people now instead of through one person. Lord, you said whatever we ask in faith, believing that we would receive. So we believe right now that we're receiving the strength to get up in the morning and sit in your presence until we hear you. And then when we walk out of our house, we'll obey that word that we hear from you. And Lord, we thank you. It's all you. It's all you. Our desire is to glorify our Father, which is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Love you so much. Next time I'm down here, I'm expecting to hear some great testimonies. In fact, let me give you my cell phone number, and you can just text me your great testimonies. That would even be better. My number is 870-818-6932. I did this last time I was down here and one person texted me. 870-818-6932. So when you get up in the morning and you hear God talking to you and telling you wonderful things, I want you to text me. Give me your testimonies, okay? I love you.